Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. And this is Zenith, that podcast where the effectiveness of this crew decreases by 1.6% every working period because this week we watch Death Watch. My Chris Boucher. Directed by, oh shoot, I don't actually remember, Gerald Blake. Huh. <laughs> and there on March 24th, 1980. Bringing the Blake back to Blake 7. <laughs> well, won't have to wait too long for that. So yeah, we're almost <clears throat> done. Yeah, Blake is just only three months away. Can you believe it? Like Blake I mean, the was, episode, not yeah. not Blake. Blake, I'm well, Blake the episode. Well, <clears throat> you know, you never know about that. But yeah, I was thinking about that recently. Is we're almost done? Yes. Well, no. I mean, it's going to be kind of bittersweet. I think Blake Seven is a show that, or that overall, Blake Seven is shows is a show that's kept me up. An extra night every week editing a podcast. Well, no, I mean, yeah, well, same here in terms of doing the the uh, notes, which probably doesn't take as long. But you know, Blake Seven is a show that I think works as a fifty-two episode show. Well, I guess that's something we'll have to talk about after Series yeah. D because Series D could just completely suck. Uh, and, and some people say it does. And some people say that this era, like the end of Series C, is the best Blake Seven ever gets. And well, I don't know about that. Considering neither of us really liked this story, even though I think it does actually bring up a lot of interesting things that I want to talk about, I didn't really think it was that great. Oh, yeah, I mean, I and think we're gonna, this... get, we're gonna get called out for that. I I can already I can already hear the ding of the email <laughs> that's gonna arrive in our inbox between this week and next week that says, "How could you guys possibly dislike Death Watch? <laughs> Death Watch is one of the best Blake Seven episodes ever created, and you guys are just wrong. And I'm not gonna listen to your podcast anymore because you guys are just dumb." <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, to that, I would say that's your right, but I disagree respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think um, I'm on board with that. I think this episode brings up a lot of interesting concepts, but doesn't do justice to them. Well, let's kind of explain the plot, because some of the things I want to talk about don't really make sense without the plot. So it begins... It begins, it begins kind with, of a confusing intro for, for yeah. Blake 7. Because really. we meet Dita, first off, what the hell? That is quite possibly <laughs> the most obscure and weird as hell name that Blake 7 has ever given us. Well, it's interesting because this is sort of um, like Callie and Zelda, right? Where it's it's Stephen Pacey playing right. both Dita and Dell. And uh, which was, you know, the same case with Jan Chapel playing Callie and Zelda. And there was another instance of that this season, wasn't there? It was uh, the high priest and, and Callie. Both oh, played right. By Jan yep. yep. But that's actually what I wanted to like really hit on here is that I, I've realized that Series C is actually about family and brutally murdering your family. <laughs> and that sounds like facetious, but... We never met any of the Liberator crew's like prior attachments before Series C. And then in Series C, yeah. we get we get Hal, who's Dana's dad. Father, yep. We get Callie's sister. We get Avon's long lost lover, and yep. we get Terence's brother. brother. And then they all get brutally murdered at the end of their stories. <laughs> Although Zelda less so Zelda because she does the fucking Adric thing and decides to stay behind. But I think that's really interesting. But I, I, you know, I never really realized this until now when we get Terrence, brother of all people. But, you know, now we're meeting all of a sudden all of the Liberator crew's family, but then they all just get killed by the end of the story. Like, it's really making the Liberator crew even more tragic and lonely. And I think possibly reinforcing something that they're trying to bring up that, like, the Liberator crew kind of is a family to each other. Sure. Wasn't there a line about that in this episode? Like something between Villa and Dana, or maybe I'm just making that up, but possibly I, I don't remember. Possibly, although I didn't write it down if there was. No, I didn't either. And you know, when you really think about it, it's like we had the only person whose prior attachment we haven't really met is Villa. She, like I said, Callie's right. sister, Dana's Father, Terrence's brother. We got a little bit... We get um, Avon's long-lost lover who's not a family member, but, like, they were... Yeah, I mean, or prior relations. Yeah. So. And, yeah, now that you mentioned that, we did get 
prior relations in series A and B, but only for Blake. Yeah, because we got Blake's cousin, <laughs> Inga. Uh, and we got his sort of backstory with him yeah. being the leader of this rebel group and stuff. But yeah, that's the, it. And I mean, we, and we did all... get the one, the one, there was one and, instance that it wasn't Blake and it was Jenna with, what's his name, oh, Bounty. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Uh, but we also got Blake's sister and brother. Right. And, you know, this all comes back to Blake, right? Is like, why is this happening now that Blake is gone? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, in-universe, why are these people encountering all their relatives and, like, prior relations all of a sudden now that Blake's gone? I think it just drives home the point that Blake was so Maniacal. intent on destroying the Federation that everything revolved around Blake. Like, I think Blake was actually a bit of a narcissist, potentially. Sure. But I, I just think it's really interesting how there's this theme of family that's actually been running through, like, Series C. Like, Yeah, you know, I never even thought of that. Series C, I think, has the most... The the the, the episodes that I want to rewatch the most. Yes, it also Whether has the episodes I want to rewatch the least. Well, no, I mean, even ones that I thought weren't that great, like Volcano and this one, I do want to rewatch. Like, knowing now what I know about Series C, like, how it brings up family, how it brings up mm -hmm. who controls information, those types of things. Right. So we meet Dita, and it's confusing because he's played by Stephen Pace, and you're like, is this Dell? And then the lady yeah. comes in and is like, hey, Dita. Well, even then, <laughs> even then, though, I didn't know, like, what's, like... Well, she calls him Dita Terrence, so... Yeah, but, I mean, I thought, like, all right, are they, have they infiltrated? Because we don't really know where we are yet. So like, all right, did the, did the Liberator crew like infiltrate some base or something? They're like playing roles or something. Right. No. And I mean, Dita, like his design kind of looks like if Dell was a greaser or something like that. Because he has like huge hair. And huge sideburns. This yeah, lady I'm curious kind of... actually, and I didn't look this up. I don't know if I would be able to find anything if I did. I don't know right. how they, is that like a wig or... Wigs for sideburns? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. They have wigs for some pretty weird things. So this lady kind of like trips, fake trips, and, and points out this guard, and Dita kills him. Dita sees right through this and realizes it's just a ploy to get him to trust her, and then he kills her when she tries to kill him. Uh, we find out later, I think, that this was actually like one of Dita's like trials to becoming champion for the planet i guess they I had so. like yeah. a like a like a tournament going on and whoever won would be the planet champion so dita wins yeah then we get the liberator and where it appears like dell has been rummaging around in avon's closet since he's wearing <laughs> nice black leather for this episode <laughs> but villa basically comes onto the flight deck the bridge and carrying Orak seems to be a blossoming friendship between Orak and Villa. <laughs> but he basically says, guys, I've been talking with Orak. We need a break. We need a break. We need a vacation. <laughs> because he comes in and Villa's like, they're laughing, Orak. And he's like, yes, that is interesting. And Villa's like, shouldn't they be like at each other's throats? And Orak's like, yeah, based on everyone's personalities, we should basically yes. <laughs> be running into the ground. That's when he says like the efficiency of this crew has been decreasing by like 1.6% every single work period. Well, that'll happen when you don't really have anything to do, necessarily. Do they find things to do? Well, but that'll the, happen when you like, have two people vying for control who basically start hating each other's guts. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Villa and... Sorry, not Villa. Avon and Terran are kind of at each other's throats, um, in the, which they have been for most of the season, really. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, you get a couple good instance of, instances of it in this episode. Well, but so they then, are yeah. kind of just like you know, retired people who are like, wake up and they're like, gee, what am I going to do today? You know, <laughs> I don't know why that made me think of this, probably because Avon wears freaking black leather every week, but here's a fun fact for you. Retirement homes, I've heard. Are now installing I, BDSM centers? No. <laughs> I've heard this, although I haven't personally confirmed this, so perhaps we'll put a link in the show notes, but I've heard that retirement homes are the places with the highest instances of STDs because there's just wow, really nothing, nothing to do. else to do. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying here. If you catch my drift. Now I've heard this, well, again, 
not officially, like, scientifically confirmed. I didn't go look up a study, but I'm sure you can find one. Yeah. Really curious. <laughs> oh, God. So basically, Avon's like, so what are you saying, Villa? We need a vacation. And he's like, yes, I think we need a vacation. And Villa's like, I have the perfect place. <laughs> it's this it's, it's, battle it's, planet. It's, <laughs> All right, so they kind of explain what's going on here. There are these two factions. <laughs> And uh, one is like something One's alliance the of teal planets. The the the, the 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 like United Teal Planet Federation. The teal is in there somewhere, <laughs> like the color teal. So, I mean, I'm sure that's a name, like not referring. I to, think like, the other the one teal. is like Vendor. No, yeah, no. it is Vendor. Yeah, v- v- the Vandor Confederacy. Vandor. Uh, and the other one, I think it's like it's the, just they just call it teal. They just short. call it teal, but it's like the. United Planets of Teal or something like that. Right. So these are, these are two entities outside the Federation. Right. Two, like, separate, smaller kind of city-state empires, I guess. Right. I guess these are things that arose after the war? Yeah, possibly. Well, I mean, that doesn't really matter, actually, but, you know, that was just With my With the collapse of the Federation. It. Yeah. And Servaland's definitely vying for the chance to overthrow anyone she can in this episode with bringing yeah. her entire like, actually i think fleet. they've existed since before the before the war because they say that they've been doing this on the planet for like generations yeah, like regularly sure. and, and then avon's like every 20 years is is regularly and they're like yeah pretty much yeah that's a good point so they probably have been around for quite a long time because at, at the very least the last time they did this was 20 years ago which would have been before be- the war before the war Unless the war took 20 years. I mean, I guess we don't really know that. You know, given the look of the characters, somehow I doubt that. But hey, you never know. Anyway, Maybe basically, Orons yeah. just never age. Well, like we were saying. Avon's kind of graying, you know. A little bit, probably from I the actually, stress of running know, the ship. You know, I was actually looking up. I uh, just coincidentally guess some Series A images, and it's actually, like, you don't notice it as you watch the show, but if you go back to Series A, to, like, the actors look really young. Mm-hmm. This is just two years ago. So, like, I guess just acting in general well, takes your toll. stress will age you, too, so yeah. it's possible they've been going through some stressful times. Paul Darrow definitely, like, looking at pictures between Series A and, and Series C, he's just... Looks like yep. he's been through some hard times. It, it was mostly Paul Darrow and Michael Keating, really, who like look super young in 78 compared to 80. Like I said, it's entirely possible outside the show, maybe they just had some really stressful personal lives going on. Because stress yeah. will age you like pretty rapidly. Yeah. But basically, like Keon was saying, these two planets elect champions and these champions who basically fight to the death when they go to war the champions fight to the death and the champion that wins is the side that wins the war so yeah and you know i've this is actually like if you because people have i'm sure studied this but i've also just seen this as like both jokes like online and like maybe not so much jokes of like people saying don't you wish like when countries go to war that the the president or the president or like the leaders of the countries would just duke it out and whoever mm-hmm. wins would win. And, like, there's so much wrong with that. that but, that I mean, would... even that, like, I've seen <laughs> it as a as a concept, like, I've seen it as a concept on a show or a movie before, and I'm, unfortunately, I'm completely blanking on where I've seen this concept before because huh. I know I've seen it before. Interesting that you mentioned presidents because on the stress thing, if you want to see, like, extreme oh, yeah. examples of, like, how stress ages a person, like, Obama was, like, a pretty young, healthy senator when he became president, so, and then, like, when he left office he looks just like this beat down man like if you look at a picture side by side of obama like his first day in office and like his final day in office it's like it's really obvious how stress can age a person yep like he looks like he aged like 30 years (laughs) in 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 eight so anyway basically villa's like it's like a carnival Plus, if we go there, it's not like the Federation can attack us because part of the rules <laughs> is that anybody who watches gets protection by the Teal and Vandor fleets. Yeah, because the Federation and the Liberator crew are both known to follow the rules at all times. <laughs> and I actually mentioned this later on. Avon's like, so Taryn, are you okay with breaking the rules and ignoring all like regulations and laws? 
Terrible. Even though like, they follow born. all the law- laws to like do what they do. <laughs> yeah, though, well, what is he talking about when he says that? Are they, I, I don't think know. He's, I think he's just talking about Callie psychically feeding Tarrant oh, yeah. information. That's probably Which doesn't it. even really help because Tarrant just ignores it. Whatever. They basically... This whole story is this huge build-up to the end. (laughs) This was my problem with it, too, is it's like 48 minutes of build-up, two minutes of payoff. Well, I'd say five minutes of payoff, because I did think the end of the the actual like battle between Dita and the Vandor put up somebody named Vinny. (laughs) And this is why I thought of, like, Dita as a greaser, because, like... He's going up against this guy who does, he doesn't look like a greaser, but his name's Vinny. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Uh, basically, they the go sh- to this planet. The sharks in the from West Side Story. <laughs> Grease. Yeah, from Grease. Or the Outsiders. The, the tunnel snakes from Fallout. <laughs> tunnel snakes rule. <laughs> so also, while Deed is being transported to this battle planet, I don't remember the name of the planet that they use for nah, this. I don't either. He's talking about how there's three arbiters who like oversee the fairness of the battle. There's each side, so Vandor and Teal put up their own arbiter, and then there's a neutral arbiter. And Dita basically says he knows nothing about Vinny, unlike the battles he fought on Teal. Like those battles he knew everything about his opponent because it was someone from Teal. So he said all of his knowledge of the battle has to come from his knowledge of the arbiters because the knowledge of the arbiters was like public information. So he was trying to get his like coach, I guess, or his sponsor, kind of very Hunger Games-esque, to tell him who the neutral arbiter is. And then we cut to picture of Serverland <laughs> on a liberator view screen and Villa or Avon is like, Serverland's the neutral arbiter? Yeah, right, <laughs> neutral. They find out that Serverland has also brought in an entire fleet of her ships for quote-unquote protection. Right. And she doesn't They do a couple, like, time-wasty things in this build-up area. Because we have Del, who teleports over to Dita's ship. And he meets with the sponsor. And he's like, hey, I want to see Dita now. And the guy's like, no, no, no. He'll only see you after the battle. And Del's like, there may not be an after the battle. And the guy's like, well, Dita doesn't want to see you right now. Right. A lot of this stuff, I think, is just filler whether it's in the sense that like hey the episode's under running and we need to put more in or just stuff that's not exactly consequential it, mm-hmm. it is like a lot of good chris boucher dialogue people right. being nasty to each other so that's always nice <laughs> <laughs> there's another scene where avon teleports over and confronts serverland is like hey you've got a whole fleet waiting outside it's like yeah just standard procedure and avon's like yeah Right. Kisses Servalan again, and Servalan says she doesn't think of Avon as a as an enemy, but thinks of him rather as a future ally, right. future friend. Actually, she says, which is interesting. I think. And honestly, I think the Dana and Servalan dynamic in this episode was more interesting than anything else. Because I've been waiting for this, and I hope this somehow culminates next week. Well, <laughs> there's this line where. Dana is like, man, I really want to kill Servaland. And Villa's like, yeah, why? And he's like, oh, shoot, I completely <laughs> forgot about your father. And Dana's like, yeah, seems like Servaland has too. And I'm like, seems like everybody else who watched and worked on this show did as well. Well, I don't know. I mean. Because wh- when was the last time we had Hal mentioned was, was Volcano? When they were like, we're going to go see Hal's no, friends. It was, it was a couple weeks ago. I remember Dana had an opportunity to kill Servaland and... She was right there, and she couldn't do it. It was they brought Servaland onto the Liberator in Harvest of Harvest Kairos. Of Kairos? I don't remember. Yeah, it was Harvest of Kairos. So hmm. like five episodes ago. I don't remember Hal being mentioned in that. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe Hal wasn't mentioned. Yeah, maybe you're right. But it was like I think Dana comes in. She has a gun on Servaland, and she's like, "They're like, put that thing down right now." Because there's always other guards. Yeah, as well. But yeah, you're right. Maybe Hal wasn't mentioned. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> but yeah, Bride. you know, I've been looking forward to a showdown between Servalan and Dana for a long time, and I'm glad it's... Well, I'm glad there's one in this episode, and I hope there's more next episode. Well, the one in this episode gets completely neutered because Avon's like, yeah. if you kill Servalan, you'll mess everything up for all of us. Right. But we're not there yet. We're still at Avon confronting Servalan the first time. And, yeah, they kiss, which was surprised me. 
This is actually also related to my what would Blake do moment, which, you know, I think Blake would would be there not to, like, watch and and partake in this experience of watching these two guys battle it out, but to take down at least some so of Serverland's ships. Just zooming around. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> While they're watching the, the battle. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, Blake kind of just showing up and taking advantage of the fact that she's off guard kind of yeah uh, my Blake's what would Blake do moment was going to be similar to that but I decided on a different one we also need to I'm going to drop this in here because by saying it on the podcast it puts pressure on ourselves to decide what we're going to do for series D for that since that's two yeah. weeks from now yeah we still don't have a, a thing for series D we'll figure it out though so then also there's a scene where they're all kind of it's, it's kind of funny actually they cut to the Liberator and Villa's like chilling on the seat with the view screen on and there's like all these bottles of like indeterminate <laughs> liquid just on the table just like <laughs> dozens of bottles of, of what I assume to be like some sort of alcoholic drink Yeah. and he's just like yeah this is the life <laughs> doing good I'm sure this is what Villa like this is what Villa's always wanted to do for the since the beginning of Series C. Really, Villa's like, all right, time for vacation, time to relax, and it's been there's, a trend for him. There's a couple of funny lines where they're talking about how people killing each other has rather limited appeal, and Callie's all like, yeah, that would have rather limited appeal, and Avon's like, no, but there's also the whole carnival a- attitude and like whole carnival experience, and he's like, oh wait, that would also have rather limited appeal, wouldn't it? Well, Which we see know, none of this carnival experience except for Villa just slamming back drinks on the Liberator, I guess. Yeah. Well, because, oh, that's right, because they beam down and they're like, hey, there's nothing here. And they beam back up and they're like, well, that's kind of weird. They also kind <laughs> yeah, of explain the rules of competition, too. Yeah, you know, it's, it's I was going to mention, it's actually kind of hard putting these scenes in order because a lot of them are feel a bit disconnected from one another. Well, they're very disconnected, actually, in my opinion, there's a scene where they explain the rules right. and they talk about how they have basically a computer simulation decides where they fight. So they're fighting in a computer simulation, a computer generated area, and the computer doesn't decide uh, where they fight till right before the battle and the competitors don't know until they go out. It's actually very Hunger Games-esque. Yeah. I mean, obviously predates the Hunger Games. Yeah. Of course. And... The, the arbiters watch everything to make sure that they follow the rules. Follow the rules. There's a line that like directly references Star Trek in oh, this yeah. space, the, the final frontier, or like or or so it used to be called. Is what they throw yeah. in right after that. <laughs> and it was like wow, <laughs> little jab there. That was because they're nice. talking about like one of the battlegrounds is like space and space, <laughs> the final frontier. Or so it used to be called. And there's, but one weird thing about this competition is that one of the people gets to go in first. Yeah, by sixty seconds, I think. Yeah. Which you'd think would give them a massive advantage, <laughs> knowing the layout of the area for sixty seconds, you know, before the other person even sees anything. Yes, that is a massive advantage. Like, there's no if ands, or buts about it. Like, it's a huge advantage. Like, most of this battle is going to come down to your, your you math knowledge, really. Yeah. Yep. Which comes down to, did you go in first or not? Because even if you don't explore the whole map, you'll know where you're fighting first. Yeah, no, I mean, I, don't, I didn't get the logic behind doing this at all. What's the point of having one? Wasn't, doesn't this just make it? Because they want to have a fair game. Right. So doesn't this just make it completely unfair? Yes. Huh. Like, it, in That's my opinion, really it does. Yeah. So it's not really as fair as they say it is. Yeah. Even though they have all these rules and they have the arbiters and stuff, there's this one rule that just completely makes it not fair. Pretty much. <laughs> they also explain, like, the losing side forfeits, like, a quarter of their land and ships to the winning side. This is when Avon's talking with the 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 sponsor, I guess, or the uh, Dita's like kind of captain dude, his coach. Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, we forfeit a quarter of our ships and land." And he's like, 
really? And he's like, well, the other side agreed to it too. So it's just, that's how we fight war here. Like we declare war, then we send our champions in and they fight and then war is over. Really efficient way to fight a war if you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into like the cathartic experience of, of those patches um, a little bit later on. But I think they also explain sort of why Vinny is like a dark horse in this. Mm-hmm. I think because if I remember correctly, Dita knew who he thought the champion was going to be, but then Vinny came out of nowhere right. as the new champion. He was like, yeah, that's why he didn't know anything about Vinny. Right. Which, when you find out what's going on there, it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. There's a scene where Dita and his coach, who I really should have like written down his name or something. Oh, I didn't know his name either. They kind of explain these patches. Dita... Yeah, they have these circular sort of patches, really budget-friendly props, might I add. Because they're probably just little foam or paper patches. With double-sided tape? I don't think they even... I was going to mention that, actually. I don't think they even have any kind of adhesive on them. Because if you notice, the only time anyone is actually wearing these is when they're leaned back. Possibly. That would be the real (laughs) budget-saving measure. And it basically allows whoever wears the patch to watch the battle through the eyes of one of the two competitors or from like a, I guess an eye in the sky kind of cam. Really? I think it was just because they had the green ones and the blue ones and those colors corresponded to who you're watching it. Oh, because I thought Villa was just watching like, because when we see the Liberator crew later, they have Tarrant watch Dita and they have Dana watch Vinny and and Villa was watching as well. And I assume Villa was just watching like a general feed or something. Because they never really tell us what Villa was watching, so this is kind of an assumption on my part. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe. I They were definitely color-coded, though. Like, hmm. the green and blue definitely corresponded to one or the other. I'm amazed you could even make out the colors on this. <sighs> I couldn't tell they were that color-coded at all. But basically, yeah, the point of those is to let the people who are in the ships above the planet watch the battle. Yeah, and this is where I think this episode like has something really interesting in concept, right? Is like this: this is or two society. These are two societies who've gotten rid of war, but yet they connect that with like this cathartic experience. Like they say, "All right, we people need the cathartic experience of war, so we're going to give them that, like on well, a mass scale. So we're going to give them that through these patches." Well, it's more than that because the patches don't just allow you to watch. They allow you to feel everything the person is feeling. When uh, Dita is showing it to his coach, the coach is like, oh, I can feel the gun in my hand. I'm raising it now, pointing it at someone. Hey, is that what I really look like? Like talking about how he can actually feel what's going on. Right. It's almost Purge-esque, this idea that purge all your bad emotions. You'll be left with only good ones or whatever. Sure. Of course, in this, it happens like every 20 years or so. They go to war. Everybody slaps on these patches, these happy patches. They experience the battle of war through the the champion. And then they're like, okay. And it's not even... And this is where this episode gets kind of cerebral for me is like it's not even war like as such it's not even war like as we know it it's just these it's two guys it's like a one-on-one match right it's a bad it's a it's a battle of skills right and you think of like i mean you think back to like the you know roman gladiators and stuff like that of mass amounts of people going to just watch like two people kill each other basically or people get killed by animals Mm -hmm. but then you also think of like world war one and two and like the the unspeakability of that, like, you know, soldiers who came back from war, World War One especially is known for having a lot of poetry and just literature in general come out of it. Right. But there's something different about that movement than there was from really any previous war. Like these World War One and Two, there's so there's things that are so different in those two wars between from like any previous war mm-hmm. that like what comes out of that is so totally different. And like not cathartic, and really actually traumatic, is and and that's the thing. That's really what I'm trying to get at here. Is like you they give they're trying to give people this cathartic experience, but is it cathartic in the mm-hmm. sense that it's a, a, it's like a release, or is it traumatic in the sense that it's like something that is going to stay with you and it's going to keep recurring and that can't be released and that can't be like paradoxically like can't be returned to, but also has to be returned to. Right. And I don't know. And I didn't think the episode was 
great enough for me to like really think about that too much, but it's an interesting point. I don't think the episode really goes into that either because the whole point of the episode is the fact that they freaking cheat, which I was going to say because, yeah, you know, out of World just... War One and World War Two come the rules of warfare, like no attacking civilians, no using biological warfare, things like that come out of World War One and Two. They were kind of like unwritten before that, but once you get the Geneva Convention where they write them down and these people like sign these agreements like we're not going to use biological warfare we're not going to attack civilians like the rules of warfare like get codified right well like you think like the history of at least european war yeah yeah right it's like these unwritten rules right like two two sides marching onto a field and Mm -hmm. and there are all these right not regulations but they're just these customs and rituals to it and then once this new technology shows up and there are so many like new ways to kill people on a mass scale no, really. I mean, that's definitely part of what it is. Mm-hmm. And this like, story kind of touches on that too, because it's got all these rules that everybody follows. That right. all the, the arbiters can bring up these rules, and the cha- the challengers can bring up these rules, and like Orac lists out all these rules that they can use to do this thing. Like, there's all these rules designed to just make this battle like fair. Question but there's mark? one rule that just yeah, there's one rule that just throws that out the window. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, you can read accounts of it and the history of it online and stuff is like you know in world war one there are people world war one is actually really interesting because it depending on how technologically inclined the army or like even the particular like unit was things play out really differently i mean you have like tanks going up against like dudes on horses Mm -hmm. and you have like machine guns going up against like bayonets World War One was a big clash of technology. World War One's the first war in which, like, airplanes were really a, a big, thing. a big like aspect of the war was like the war in the skies with the airplanes, the Red Baron, you know. So that was the other thing too. Like, people were different periods technologically with airplanes because every country was like, "No, we're not going to share our technology with you." So like, every airplane was like all sorts of all over the place. Yeah, I mean, nationalism is a huge part of World War One as well, and and maybe, maybe not so much in this because they've come to this agreement like, all right, we're going to respect this other planet enough to have this competition, but still, I mean, they're choosing champions, right? But yeah, you're right. I do think the episode kind of just brings this stuff up and then just goes nowhere with them, or goes somewhere else. Yeah, really, because basically, what happens is Dita gets brutally murdered by Vinny because. He basically could shoot Vinny in the back, but then he's like, no, no, no. Cede to his request to do like an old school style shootout. Yep. Because we forgot there's a scene where like Dita investigates the guns Serverland has provided. And he's like, no two guns are exactly the same. And Vinny is quicker than Dita kills him. This is really, really cool shot when Dita's dying. It's in slow motion, but it's not like the crappy slow motion where you take a regular speed footage and then you just slow it down and it looks like bad because it's like half the frame weight of the rest of the episode. <laughs> this is like actually filmed in slow motion, I think. And it looks really, really cool because the the background kind of fades to black as Dita's like falling. So it's just Dita falling in this kind of almost dark void as he's huh. like falling over and dying. Yeah, you know, I didn't notice that. You'll have to go back. And, and then it's intercut it. with like the reaction from like Dell is like no and then you see Dita like falling again in slow motion as the background continues to fade to just black and then he falls down then we get this like point of view shot which was kind of weird of Dita looking up at the sky so point of view shot from the ground looking up at the top of the warehouse the computer decided to have him fight in was it a warehouse to me it looked like kind of just a ruined cityscape almost yeah possibly and he says, like, oh, sorry, Dell. I just couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. Then Dita shoots him in the face. Or Vinny, yeah. sorry, walks up, shoots Dita in the face. And then uh, Avon... You imagine, like, the people who are hooked into Dita, Dita like, like Dell, get shot in the face, get the full experience of it. Well, so then a- they all take off their patches, and, a- and Orac was also monitoring the whole battle. And he asks them what's going on. And Dana says, like, Vinny felt really weird. And they're like, what? She's like, yeah, he felt like he never was scared. He always knew that whatever shot was fired at him, he could shoot quicker. 
and he had like no instincts. It was just all kind of mechanical. And then Orac basically says or postulates or proves, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what, that Vinny was an android. And he says that now Serverland has ordered a medical examination. Due to some obscure rule, the neutral arbiter can order a medical examination of the winner, I guess to check for like performance enhancing drugs or something. And Orac basically says that as soon as they find out that Vinny's an android, uh, the two sides will like actually go to war, war and fight each other. Right. And then Avon realizes this was Servland's plan all along. Right. So they got to stop it. This is my what would Blake do moment. So Blake wouldn't really care because at this point, for clarification, Avon decides to send Dell in to fight Vinny, to wipe out Vinny. Uh, at this point, like I think Blake would just be so focused on Servland. Like, what if we just kill Servland? That'll remove all like... <laughs> That'll remove any problem, right? Like, just kill Servaland, and then Servaland's not going to get a medical examination, and then, like, bing, bang, bongo, we win. <laughs> yeah, you also got to remember, Blake won't rest until power is back in the hands of the honest man. And were the two sides really being honest? Well, maybe the... the I forget well, which side teal. is which. Was Teal the one with Teal's Dita? the one with Dita. Yeah, Teal was, but Vandar, Van, Vandor, you know... Maybe isn't so honest. Well, I think they are because I think that's the thing is that Avon or Orac says that Servaland built the android uh, and gave it to Vandor. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's why like Dita didn't know who the champion was because it was just that it was actually came out of nowhere. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So and and they didn't know that Vinny was an android. Vinny doesn't even know he's an android because they say when they take him to the medical examination, Vinny's just going to act like a human because that's what he thinks he is. Right, yeah, yeah. Remembering all this stuff now. But due to some, like, other loophole type... <laughs> not loophole, but just something you can do. Well, so it is, <laughs> it's, it's just another rule that because <laughs> Dell is Dita's brother, he can declare a blood feud and go into combat well, again with Vinny. They go into, like, they go into the details of this, like, pretty deep. They're like, all right, normally you wouldn't be able to, to do this, but since you're Dita's brother, you can or something like that. <sighs> they send Dana over to confront Servalan and basically keep her at bay while I do this plan. Dana's probably the worst person to go and do that. And honestly... Works out fine, though. I mean, it works out fine, but, like, yeah, Dana is, like, she even mentions it. I think she even has a line, like, did you guys forget that Servaland killed my father? Like, am I going to be able to restrain myself when I have Servaland at gunpoint? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just making that line up. And Avon's like, you better. You're going to mess it all up for us if you don't. She just kind of goes in, holds Servaland at gunpoint for a bit, and then gets kicked out and okay, beats back. Here's, here's why, why this scene is funny, though, because it... it <laughs> It brought up something to me that I've never even thought of before and that makes a Liberator crew really, really powerful if they are able to use this correctly is that they can just teleport down anywhere, like shoot someone and just teleport back up Yeah. in seconds. Yeah. And they never really do that. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't even have to exchange any words. They just like, bam, teleport down, shoot, teleport right back up. Well, they can't teleport to some places like there was the place in Moloch actually. Yeah. Because of the magic shield. I mean, yeah. Um, of, of course, some places are limited and some places are harder to teleport to than others probably. But, like, if they're able to use this tactic well, like they could be a pretty powerful force. Yeah, but they don't. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, it's a, they don't. Yeah. And why do. don't they? I don't really know, actually. Maybe they haven't thought of it. Maybe they're not quick enough on the teleport to do that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe Zen won't plans, let them. Maybe, maybe there's like a cool down period on the teleport so they wouldn't be able to teleport out immediately. Yeah, probably. I did like this scene though. I liked the confrontation between Servalan and Dana, even though it wasn't too in depth. Yeah. It was nice that they're actually touching on it. Because mm-hmm. she's like, imagine what my father felt moments before you killed him. Servalan's like. I forget what That's Servalan what Servalan's like. No, she, she just does this. Oh, all right. <laughs> I definitely think Dana has evolved. 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 I think between Dana and Dell, Dana is definitely the character who's gone more places and they've done more with this season. With Dell, mm-hmm. we get a little bit 
of this. Well, well, all we get from Dell is that Dell's a pretty bad leader. I take that back, actually. Dell has had a lot, too. They've definitely both got a lot. I just like Dana I think everybody's got a lot this season, actually. Like, I think this season's been a pretty good spread of development for everyone. Yeah. That's something I'm going to talk about next week, probably. Yeah, we can save a lot of that for next week. Anyway, Tarrant enters the competition again. This time, the the battlefield <laughs> hacks. Well, with two hacks, because one, Orax hacked into the computer to find out where they're going to fight before they actually get revealed, and two, Callie's giving him telepathic information based on where they're going to fight. Yeah, this time the battlefield is literally just like a, a space walkway. station. It's just, a, but it's a mini walkway on the space station. I don't know if I was. Well, just... I assumed it was uh, laid out like Space City, like a big ring. And because Callie tells him to get to the center of the space station down the corridor. So that was just my assumption. Yeah, you know, Maybe it's just a straight corridor between the two entrance points. That's what I thought, but you're probably right. Anyway, they're like, oh, Dell can't shoot Vinny in the back. And I'm like, Dell's going to die the same way Dita did, you well, idiot. Tarrant also has an advantage that adheres to the rules and that he's the one who goes in first. And he also has a third advantage, which apparently also adheres to the rules, that he has Dana's gun on him, which is actually a little confusing considering they had those like specially made guns that were supposed to be identical in the first one. But anyway. First one. First battle. Oh, you're right, yeah. But yeah, Dell has the erase someone from existence gun, <laughs> which completely erases every trace of Vinny, just completely vaporizes him. Yeah, there's a funny way they introduce this. Like, is it ready? And Dana's like, oh, it's ready or something like that. And then they kind of beam out. and they're, they're, Then they just kind of explain everything to, I guess, Dita's coach. He's They're like, oh, yeah, so Vinny was an android. They weren't following the rules, but we've killed him now. So the medical examination won't take place. You should use your veto. Apparently, every coach gets a veto to choose a new neutral arbiter. You should just run the battle again since both champions are dead. Uh, ask for a rematch, basically. <laughs> ask for medical examinations before the battle starts. And, and then, uh, good luck. And then he runs off and he's like, I'll be right back. And then Avon's like, we should go now. And Terrence's like, why? He said he'll be right back. And Avon said, oh, yes. Orak told me about this other thing. Since you won the battle, uh, that makes you champion of Teal now. And Terrence's like, ah. And then together in the <laughs> sitcom moment, again, they both in unison say, Callie. I don't remember exactly what I was like, Callie, bring us back up now. Yeah. Or Callie, I think we're coming home now or something like that. Something in unison, and then it cuts straight to the credits. Yep. Well, it was always Chris Boucher who loved those sitcom endings. endings. I mean, it's been, it's, it's been really most writers for the show, but Chris Boucher definitely is part of that. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I still think what I thought when I watched this episode last night. <laughs> yeah, I watched it last which, night too. So. Which, is, <laughs> which is that there's so there's a ton of buildup and then just a couple minutes of payoff, really. It, just, it feels like it's all just this rising action to like something that's not worthy of like 48 minutes of, of rising action. Right. I mean, the ending was, was good, I think. Mm-hmm. The the battle was good with Tarrant, you know, killing Vinny in the way that his brother couldn't, you know, face to face instead of shooting in the back with cheats, <laughs> with hacks, <laughs> and, and the confrontation between Dana and Servalan is something I've been waiting for for a while. Although that was resolved kind of underwhelmingly because they just beamed Dana yeah. out. And she's like, I just got kicked out. Yeah, which is why again I hope they touch on it again next week. But at the same time, it just feels underwhelming for how much they built it up and how long all that was. Right. Yeah, because this whole episode was like building, 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 like setting down the rules. Here's what's going to happen. Building, building, building. And then five minutes is the whole resolution happens in in five minutes. I think like the actual battle between Dita and Vinny starts legitimately 10, at most 15 minutes before the end of the story. Definitely. Which in a 50 minute story, that means 35 minutes of the story was just build up, build up, build yeah. up, at yep. least closer think, to 40. And most Blake 7 episodes really have an A plot and a B plot, less so in series C, but most of them are like, you know, you, you build up for I don't know, 20, 25 minutes and then you get something and then they go and do something else for the next however long. Right. And this one's just, it's all A plot kind of, and then it's all just build up, build up, and then release. Uh, the release wasn't that great. 
Yeah, kind of like the cathartic experience of like being in this death match. Wasn't that great? <laughs> I mean, how would you know? You weren't in this death match, were you? But I felt like I was. It was so realistically yeah, shot. Was it? No, I'm kidding. No. Was it? No. I was going to say, what? <laughs> so I think we're going against the grain. You know, I think the story was all right. I wouldn't call it bad. No, I wouldn't call it bad either. Just a little questionable on how it was all done. I think if it just was reorganized a bit, maybe if they had the battle between Dina and Vinny set over the whole course of the episode, and then they intercut the Liberator into that, I think that would have worked better. I think I would have enjoyed that more. Because it would have been like there's this battle, and then you would have like these two... It'd be like this battle is trying to be fair. The way I'm envisioning it is that this is battle, and they're trying to keep it fair, but there's these two like forces in the shadows, behind the scenes, pulling the strings, the Liberator crew in Servland trying to like sway yeah, the battle kind of like duel actually could have made it a little more similar to that you know yeah, with... could have made it like duel but instead of having like blake and jenna on the planet as part of the battle it's like someone who's not even part of the liberator crew who they're just using for their own purposes yeah i don't know though you know i don't know if that would have been better i mean i'm envisioning it to be better <laughs> but i don't know if it would have actually been better it's all in the execution this is true I don't have anything else to say on this story. Yep, that's it for me. We have an email from RG to respond to in this episode. So it begins, It's it's the subject line is Death Watch. Hi, Zenith Teleport Operators. So every girl's wish comes true this week when they give us two talents. <laughs> uh, Dita could really you do with some hair grooming tips from Dell. Callie sticks it to Villa, which is starting to happen a lot more. Dana continues to stick it to Villa. Poor Villa. No wonder he wrestled all those drinks up so quickly. <laughs> hey, let's all get off the Liberator for a holiday. Next minute on second thought, let's not. Who does Avon kiss this week? Serverland. I'm still trying to work out why on earth they kissed. My husband said, if you were Avon, why wouldn't you? Fair point. <laughs> Frankly, I don't know why they kissed. I didn't figure it out either. So unfortunately, we're not the podcast that's going to answer that question. Notice the Liberator crew saying that Dana is a natural warrior. The line where Villa asks what her lost slave died of really wouldn't have worked if the show was shot in the U.S. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that. Yeah, that line did stick out to me as well. I don't know why I didn't mention it. I didn't mention it. forgot about it, actually, I think. Yeah, I forgot about it, too. But just for context, for someone listening to this, uh, Avon and Dana tell uh, Villa to go do something, and then he responds with, well, wait. What happened, what happened to your lost slave? How did your lost slave die? And then he goes off to go do it. Right. And I mean, look, Britain likes to, well, I don't want to say, I don't want to like generalize or whatever, but like, I feel like just based on what I've read, and this isn't even contemporary stuff, this is like maybe 19th century stuff, is like Britain likes to ignore the fact that they had, had slaves, slaves. too. Not, oh, which... I mean, don't get me wrong, isn't a justification in any way for slavery of any kind. Right. It's just something I've noticed, like, in British stuff is, like, it's more okay to, one, call out. Well, because— Or I don't know, actually. You I, know, mean, I don't know. I, I, you no, know, I'm just theorizing here, but that might be because, you know, the U.S. imported slaves on U.S. territory, whereas, you know, Britain was a lot of—Britain was a big empire, so a lot of it was, like— I guess more of it was spread over the empire than like actually in England proper. Huh. Not that that like excuses any of it again, because Britain still had slave. Like people like to ignore the fact that they literally subjugated India for like yeah decades. South Africa, like Britain had slaves. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel maybe again this is just a theory i don't know but maybe people feel disconnected from it because again it was like it was overseas it was just part of the british empire like over there yeah yeah that's probably true so you know but yeah that line did stick out to me and also them saying that dana's a natural warrior avon is like you're watching vinny because you're a warrior dana we need your warrior spirit on this <laughs> This is Stephen Pacey's favorite episode because he has so much to do with it. <laughs> I thought the initial scene was very good, dropping us right in the action, down and safe. RG. Thanks. Thank Thanks you for emailing again. us. I think you pointed out a lot of the same things we did when we noticed, uh, when we watched this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. So we talked about a lot of that stuff already in the, in the episode. But thank you for emailing us again, as yep. always. We also have an email from... 
who is quickly becoming a regular correspondent. Joining the likes of RG and Sergeant Vigeno is, is Carl from Sydney. He sends us an email, the subject line being Vale Servalan, Latin for goodbye, Servalan. I, I just read it as Vale, like Valley. Vale. It's Vale. <laughs> Nathan will be uh, pleased to hear that I got that pronunciation correct. But Nathan from Flight Through Entirety. Yeah, he's a Latin so, teacher. Yeah, I know he's a Latin teacher. Anyway, I belong to a generation who were in the mid-teens who were mesmerized and could not get enough of Serverland after aligning my 40th anniversary rewatch to your podcast. It has been great to see how much you and other fans have enjoyed her performances. So I was very affected by her death, as I'm sure you must be. Moloch and Deathwatch were not her best, but that's the fault of the script. My funniest moment from Ultra World, which I think you missed, when Dana's tooth bomb detonated, the explosion was heard in the Ultra control room, one of the silver blue Ultras quietly asked, was that the mating ritual? Uh, I actually didn't notice that when I was watching it, but I didn't bring it up in the episode uh, that we recorded on it. And also, we should mention that, yes, Jacqueline Pierce has rather unfortunately passed away. She passed away actually before last week's episode went out, uh, but after we had already recorded everything to it, so we didn't put anything in there about it. But, you know, I'm not one to make a joke out of someone's death, but does kind of prove the point that it seems that our podcasts kill off people since people yeah. tend to die right after we mention them on the podcast. Jacqueline Pierce is not the first. No, no. And I think that's actually been more of the case on triple play, if I remember. Or, well, trust your doctor Well, trust your well. doctor, I guess, when we get to a certain story that a certain, you know, that various, you know, actors have been in and it comes out that they die soon after. But, you know... I was sad to hear of her passing because she was still acting right up until her final moments. And she is one of the best characters and actresses on this show. So Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I really do think that she made partially made this show what it was. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, I didn't know this until, you know, articles started coming out about her her death and stuff. But I didn't know that Servalan was originally supposed to be a one-off character. And that she was right. incorporated into the show as a recurring character because, well, because of Jacqueline Pierce. Right. Basically. Thankfully. And that's one of the best decisions that they made on the show, frankly. And so, yeah, really sad to hear about her death. And just wanted to put something in here about it. And thank you, Kyle, for emailing us once again. Yep. Joining in the correspondence. And if you would like to join the correspondence, you can reach us at the doctor at decorativevegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on Stephen Pacey and the rules of warfare. <laughs> <laughs> it's the name of my new book Stephen Pacey and the Rules of Warfare it can be a sequel to that one that starts with Avon coming out of the BDSM chamber <laughs> actually it can be that one okay. <laughs> you can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith a Blake's 7 podcast be sure to leave a rating if you liked the show check us out on Facebook trust your doctor like us on Facebook or stick us on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter and next time we're watching Terminal but until then the end <laughs>